God is good God, all the time. Hey, won't you, uh, I want you to shoot a look at the person next to you that says, uh, I love you, but the Lord loves you more. I don't know what that look looks like, but make sure they know it. I love you, but the Lord loves you more. Amen? Anybody know where we're going to be today? Book of Acts. Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5. You can turn there with me. Now what we find out about the book of Acts is this. It was written by Dr. Luke. So, uh, and I don't think we've quite comprehended this. While we know that there is one who was used to write the most... um, uh, the most number of books, whether it be epistles or whatnot, that being the in the New Testament, that being Apostle Paul, in terms of sheer length and amount, believe it or not, Luke has written been used by God to write the most in the New Testament because of Luke and Acts. Acts is a big book, 28 chapters. It's a lot to work through. But Luke says a whole lot because he really was sold out to the Lord. He really was desiring to see Jesus be lifted high. Is everybody here today just desires to see Jesus be lifted high? Amen. So where where we're at today is we're going to just uh, take a quick look again. Uh, Book of Acts is best understood by first reading the book of Luke. And we understand in the book of Luke we see the life of who? Jesus. Can't go wrong with that name. Everybody say Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Uh, it was about his life and all that God was doing through him, all the Father was doing through him and in him. And, and Jesus, we find out in Philippians, chose not to use his own power, but who did he lean upon in the book of Luke? The Holy Spirit. Everybody say Holy Spirit. Because he wanted to fulfill what Jesus had for him. And what the Father had for him. So then we had the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit operating together. Then we move into the book of Acts where we see Jesus uh, in, in that first chapter ascends into heaven, but not before saying, hey, I'm sending the Holy Spirit to come upon you because you are going to continue the work. Who hears me right now? You are a tired looking bunch today. To continue the work of Jesus. Now, how many people at first, you think about that, let's take a straw poll, you think about there, like, that's a little sacrilegious. Jesus was Jesus. How could I possibly continue the work of Jesus? Anybody ever hear just say, oh, that's kind of tough to swallow. And yet, who was it that empowered Jesus to do the ministry here on earth? The Holy Spirit. Who is it that empowers us to do our work? Holy Spirit. Same Holy Spirit. Same Holy Spirit. And so when we, uh, when we find that God has laid forward a mission for us to continue the work of Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit as a body of believers, we realize, hey, okay, you know what? All I know is this, no matter how hard it gets, and if you don't hear anything else now, I want you to take a look at me here. Scripture says, even the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. In fact, you better take hold of that right now. The church will not be beaten by anything the enemy wants to throw at. In fact, you know the only thing that will beat the church? The church. Did you hear that? That's the only thing. When we want to walk around playing church, when we want to walk around denying the power, when we want to walk around doing things like we just normally do, guess what that does? It weakens us and we become basically looking just like the rest of the world. Amen? So let's just dive right into this as fast as we can. I want to start back in chapter 4, very briefly, uh, at verse 32 of chapter 4. It says, all the what, those of you who had an NIV, all the believers were one in heart and mind. Why were they one in heart and mind? Because they were all focused on who and filled with who? Holy Spirit. Spirit of God was drawing them together. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. Now, let me share this. I believe that there are two 
effects of believing in Jesus. You ready for this? The first one is an, a, a loosening of being able to let go of our relationship with things and stuff. You hear that? An ability to let go of that which has dictated our lives. That could be possessions. That could be addictions. That could be any uh, number of things. But guess what that all boils down to? Idols. Who hears me? Idols. So, when we submit to Jesus, it enables us to, 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 it empowers us through the Holy Spirit to let go and be released of relationships with satanic idols in our lives. You say, oh, that's pretty heavy, satanic idols. Hey, anything can become a satanic idol. Your favorite TV show, if it rules your life, <laughs> can become a satanic idol. Okay? So, it enables us to loosen those relationships, but you know what else it does? It helps us to tighten a relationship with who? Who? Each other. People. It enables us to love people. So let me make it real clear. It helps us, it enables us to stop loving things and start loving who? People. When you surrender to Christ... Immediately it begins a work where we start to look like Jesus. Where you stop loving stuff, you stop loving this life, and you start loving those around you in the life to come. Amen? So one of the main points in the book of Luke, okay, he wants Christians to be free from loving things and free to love people. Luke 12 says this. I'm just going to read it to you. Don't be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. This is Jesus speaking. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. Treasure in heaven that will never fail when no thief comes near, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. Okay? So, when you trust in the Lord and in His promises, we find ourselves less trusting everything else and more trusting Him and loving people. Is that clear? So, let's look at somebody real quick that began to operate in this. Acts verse, uh, chapter 4, 36 and 37. Uh, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called who? Barnabas. Everybody say Barnabas. Ever, ever heard of him before? Okay, this is the first time we hear about Barnabas and what he did, which means son of encouragement. He sold a field he owned, brought the money, put it at the apostles' feet. Now, Barnabas, we find out throughout Acts, he becomes an advocate of Paul in Acts, in Acts chapter 9. Uh, he's the shepherd of the new Gentile converts in Antioch in chapter 11. He's the one trusted with the relief of the poor, also in chapter 11. He's the first partner of Paul on his missionary journeys in chapter 13. What do we find out? One time Paul and Barnabas got thrown in prison, and what did they do? They sang their way out. They sang their way out. Amen? So this is the same Barnabas. He was also an advocate for John Mark, you know, uh, in, in chapter 15. So... Right here, Luke shows us how Barnabas, Barnabas' ministry began. Listen to me. How many people have been called to ministry? Let me see a raise of hands. That means everybody. I'm going to say it again. How many people have been called to ministry on this earth? Raise your hand. <laughs> everybody has. And how did Barnabas' ministry begin? By surrendering to Christ. By finding him loosen, loosening the relationship to stuff and start being open to loving people. And look what the Lord did with Barnabas all through the scriptures, especially in the book of Acts. So we see that it was demonstrated from getting rid of that love of things and start loving people. Now let's look at this, uh, this husband and wife, Ananias and Sapphira, starting in chapter 5. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself. 
but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Now let's just get a picture here. Notice how at the end of chapter 4, who are we talking about? Barnabas. Everybody say Barnabas. Beginning of chapter 5, somebody, Ananias and Sapphira could have been church leaders for all we know. And so they really knew Barnabas. They had to have. They're all part of that group. And they saw what was going on with Barnabas. And Barnabas was so, the, the Lord was so moving in him that he just let go of stuff. Stuff didn't mean anything to him. Jesus and people meant the world to him. And so uh, I'm sure that Ananias and Sapphira liked what they saw. And I'm sure maybe even to some degree, maybe they wanted that. But probably even more so, they wanted people to think that that's how their hearts looked. They wanted to be certain that people didn't think ill of them. Listen to me. They wanted to be certain that people didn't think bad of them. You hear what I'm saying? They didn't want people to think that they look that they might be greedy, that they might still have idols in their lives, that they might still be all about themselves. They wanted people to think well of them. Anybody in here like people thinking well of you? But here's the problem. Christianity is not just about following rules, playing a game and looking apart. Christianity is about being transformed in Jesus' name by the Holy Spirit. Amen? See, we're called to live in freedom. And that's where our mission begins. So what happened with Ananias and Sapphira? Well, number one, they loved their stuff. They loved what? Money. They loved their possessions. They made that sale. They looked at the cash. They couldn't bear the thought of giving it all away. So they kept some back. Now, here's the thing, and, 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 and Peter brings it up. He says, look, you didn't have to do that. You could have walked up and said, hey, I'm giving you two-thirds. It was yours to do with what you wanted to do with, but Ananias and Sapphira made it as though they'd given all of it. You follow what I'm saying? So in verse 2, they kept some back. Okay? Now, they wanted to look more generous than they really are. They wanted the apostles to think they were like maybe Barnabas. They wanted the approval of the people, you know. So they not only loved money, they loved approval of men. And here's what we find in Luke chapter 16. The two of those almost always go together. You want people to be happy with you. You want people to think well of you. And and, and as a matter of fact, you want people possibly to elevate you, and you love your money. All of us down to control and power, isn't it? And those two things usually go hand in hand. Okay? Now, what we find out then in verse 3 and 4, down here, Peter said, Ananias, how is that Satan has so filled your heart that you've lied to the Holy Spirit, you've kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land, didn't it belong to you before it was sold, and after it was sold, was the money at your disposal, or wasn't it at your disposal? What made you think of doing such things? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. So guess what? They lied. And they didn't just lie to people. More importantly, who did they lie to? To God, the Holy Spirit. And so what do we find out happens to Ananias? He drops dead. Now we can look at this two ways. Why did he drop dead? Did the Lord zap him? (laughs) The Holy Spirit do that? Or did the sudden revelation of what he had done so convicted him? It was it. Literally shut him down. I don't know, but the same thing then happened to his wife. Sometimes I believe that the Lord allowed us to see truly what the weight of our sin is and the weight of our flesh is. I don't think we'd be able to survive what we saw. You hear me? I don't think we'd be able to survive what we saw. If we really realized how we play with this stuff. If we realize how we mess around as though it's not going to really have any consequences. Oh, it has consequences. Folks, I'm going to get to that point in just a moment. Let me touch in on one other thing. In verse 3, we find out clearly they lied to God, lied to the Holy Spirit. And verse 9 then goes on to say, Peter said to her, How could you conspire to test the Spirit of the Lord? 
they not only lied, they tried to tempt God. Basically, they said, all right, God. Maybe that didn't go out of their mind, but they're basically saying, all right, God, what are you going to do about it? Yikes. And yet, how many of us have been guilty of doing things and then without, maybe they, we haven't used those words, but in so many words, we're saying, what are you going to do about it now? You've never done anything before. What are you going to do now? Remember, I'm just preaching the word. I'm just reading what's in the Bible. Okay? Ananias and Sapphira, they, I don't think they'd really fully changed. I think they liked what they heard, just like the magician will find out about Simon the sorcerer later on. I think they liked what they heard. I think they wanted to do the right thing, but they still were more about who? Themselves. They were still wrapped up with themselves and satisfying themselves. And therefore, the more you are wrapped up in yourself and protecting yourself and making Satan your best friend, you say, how do I do that? By listening to everything he says. So every time you do those things, basically what you're telling God is, you cannot fill me. You cannot get satisfy me. So I need to take business, care of business. Who's hearing me right now? Guys, do you know, do you know what, the, uh, what I just described, the definition of that is? is witchcraft. That says, I'm going to take control. In fact, the spirit of control is witchcraft. But sometimes it comes off more of a supernatural way. Sometimes it comes off more just being an ornery individual. But it's all what? Witchcraft. Why? Because you're messing around, making Satan your best friend and declaring everything that he has to say and living everything he has to say, whether you like it or not. Who's hearing that right now? Okay? So, I've been pondering this, and John Piper, I don't know if how many are familiar with John Piper, but he made this statement, and I just need to share it because I think it sums it great up, uh, up real well. The reason they drop dead is to give a warning. Not just any warning, but a serious warning, okay, to the whole church. That phony baloney garbage. I'm just calling it for what it is. What are you saying by that, man? I'm saying where you try to play the outward part and not let him do the inward part. You follow me? Those of us who show up on Sunday too because we feel like it's what we should do and it makes us feel good. Well, I'm glad it makes you feel good, but what's going on inside that heart? Are you just letting it get, in, get only skin deep? Are you letting it just get into your flesh and that's it? Or are you letting it get into your heart? You follow where I'm going? So eventually it just becomes so phony that we're all going to end up like Ananias and Sapphira unless something drastically changes. It just so happened that it happened right there with them. But for us, guess what? There will come a day unless we allow the Holy Spirit to keep doing His work in us, that we're going to have to give an account to how we played around with God's grace and mercy and love. And White Hill is very quiet right now. It's heavy duty, isn't it? That's heavy duty. And you say, wow, this is, this is heavy stuff. Hey, it's not the only time this has ever happened. It's not. But I don't see, you see, the Lord operates in different ways. Some of us, he just lets us keep going. Why? Because he wants to torment us? No, because he's gracious and he's kind and he wants to give you every opportunity to get your eyes back on him. Every opportunity. And for some of you sitting here today, you still, praise be to God, have an opportunity if you have not been living as God has called you. How do I know you still have an opportunity? Because you're breathing. See, God wants his people to fear hypocrisy. He wants us to be afraid of treating the Holy Spirit with contempt. He wants us to be afraid to do that. He wants us to be afraid to not to, to, to live without the Holy Spirit. He wants us to be at a point where we're like, oh, no joke when you say without him I can do nothing. I don't want to do a blame thing without him. Why does he want that? Because he knows that there are going to be times when the enemy's going to toss stuff at you. And you're going to have to make a decision. Do I go along with what I see and hear, or do I go along with what I know? That my God is faithful. My God will carry me to the other side. He is awesome. And he is to be feared. 
He is to be feared above all else. See, that's something we don't probably preach a whole lot on is the fear of God. We talk a lot about grace and how much He loves us, but we're called to fear God too. Because if it wasn't for Him, there'd be no grace or love. And every time you step out from underneath of His covering and His blessing, all you've got left is the fearful expectation of wrath. Hebrews chapter 10. You may think you're getting away with it. Ananias and Sapphira just happened to be one of those that didn't. Folks, Judas didn't either, and that was by his own hand. Remember, two people betrayed Jesus. No matter how you get around it, they both betrayed Jesus, right? One chose to be reconciled. One chose to take matters into his own hand, and he killed himself. Control, trying to operate in your own power, will always get you one place, death. So for those here that have an issue with control, submit it, surrender it, repent. Lord, strengthen me. I do not want to be in control. You are in control. Now, what's interesting at the end of verse 5, right after Ananias dies, uh, what does it say happened? Let's look here. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And what happened? A great what? Fear seized all who heard what happened. Now, what kind of fear was it? Was it, oh, man, that's going to happen to me? Or was it a fear of the Lord? The fear of God. Wow. He means what he says. (laughs) He means it. Church, White Hill, all the churches of Stewart's Draft in in Augusta County, God means what he says. He is gracious. He is kind. He is loving. But he means what he says. Stop toying around with his grace, love, and mercy. We can't toy around with it. We need him too bad. Amen? We need him too bad. And we find out in Acts chapter 9, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was built up and walking, you ready for this? This is Acts chapter 9, we'll touch on it in several weeks from now, but walking in the fear of the Lord, everybody say fear the Lord, and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Did you hear that? Those two things together? And as a result, guess what happened to the church? It grew. You walk in the fear of the Lord, and you, you, when you walk in the fear of the Lord, you walk in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, and the body of believers grows. A church that is dead is one that fears man and loves self. Amen? The fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit bring peace and growth to the church. So, you know what? Treating the Lord with contempt by acting apart should remain a fearful prospect in the church. The book of James says this, God is not what? Mocked. Everybody say mocked. God's not going to be mocked. He's gracious, he's loving, he's kind, but he won't be mocked. Ouch. Nor will he be mocked when he says, I want to do a new thing in you, and you sit back. Well, I don't see it. God will not be mocked. He will give you what he said he will give you, and he will do what he says he will do. He will. I've experienced it time and time again in my own life. In fact, I love this. I just up here, if you guys saw me texting during Megan's uh, children's uh, um, time, I'm sorry, Megan, but I was trying to contact somebody to know if I could use their testimony today. <laughs> I always think of things at the worst times, you know. I'm like, can I use your testimony today? Let me share this real quick. I won't use your name, so I don't steal her thunder, but it's too good to not tell. Someone right now is just experiencing real revival in her life and, uh, amongst us. And um, here about, uh, I don't know, three, four, or five, six days ago, injured her shoulder really bad. To the point where it was sounding like it was a torn rotator cuff. Anybody ever had that happen? Painful? Horrible? Surgery? Nine yards? Okay, couldn't hardly do anything. On top of that, I had this huge bruise all up and down her hand and her arm. It was just a big old mess. 
But she's just been pressing into the things of the Lord and talking about that this is going on. And about two days into it, she was talking, uh, talking with a nurse and uh, walked up to her and said, you know, I've been struggling. And she, she said, I can't even do this, but then she did it. And she said, when I got this bruise, and she's like, wait a minute, where's the bruise? Where is it? And she looked up, and she basically, whoever she told, she said, I, I, I didn't even ask him for that. I didn't even think to ask him. But the thing about it is, she's been so focused on him, what happened? He did it anyways, for I am the God that healeth thee. See, our problem is we go running after the healing rather than running after him. I thought, boy, that's pretty cool. I like that. The fact that, that really, honest to goodness, you just run after him. What happens? God takes care of you. Fear the Lord. Be comforted by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Isn't that awesome? See, that's the kind of stuff that's happening in our midst here. And it's not because we're getting all highfalutin and jumping up and down and saying, yeah, 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 yeah. It's because our eyes are getting on the truth of Jesus Christ. And see, here's the thing. That's fruit. That's fruit. I used to question whether or not I really, you know, God, are you really, really doing this? I've heard people say, really, you know. But then I look around and I see people that are taking Jesus seriously and what's happening in their lives. I mean, there could be craziness going on around them, but they're walking in such peace. You hear what I'm saying? That's fruit. What's the word say in the book of John? The truth will do what? Hey, I'm praying freedom for every person in here. And the only way it's going to come is when you start taking hold of the truth. Amen? Mm. Dave Chapel, remember that one because you need it too. Fortunately, Pastor Jim's not preaching for another four weeks, and he'll forget this and not use me as an illustration. See, the bottom line is, and everybody repeat after me, we need the Father. We need the Son. We need the Holy Spirit. We must fear not having them. Amen? Oh, come on, get excited. I got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Who's on your team? I don't have to choose up sides. I get all three. Mm. So, folks, we're on a mission. It's to continue Jesus' work, and we've got to find ourselves led by the Spirit. Loving people and leaving our reliance on everything else. Last week we talked about the government. Stop relying on the government. If persecution comes to to, to America, which I don't really, I'm not sitting around going, oh, brilliant. But I'm going to tell you what, you're going to see the most powerful church ever when it does. Why don't you check out what's happening in China, folks? Why don't you check out what's happening in the Middle East? Persecution abounds and the church is growing by leaps and bounds in power. Folks, I need to tell you one thing real quick. Don't lose me here. In China, you know what's happening? Their, their big concern is this. They say, uh, people who come over here, they say, what's going on in China is this. In America, people do a lot of Bible study, and that's good, amen? But very few people have any experience with what they're studying. We read about healings, but do we really see them? We read about being being set free, but are we really being set free? We read about people living in the peace of God no matter what's going on, but do we really see? We hear about the blind seeing and the deaf hearing and the demons being cast out. Do we really see? You know what's going on over in China? They're saying, get over there quick because it's the other way around. They are seeing so much that they need to be sure that they have the truth to line it up with exactly what's going on. They are seeing things like you could only imagine. 
experiencing things in Africa and Middle East. I know you've probably heard this for 50 years. It's all, it's all so, you know, there's a lot of power going on. It is. America is so caught up with itself that it can't see the forest for the trees, and the trees are our stuff that we won't let go of. Whether it's anger and unforgiveness, or whether it's idolatry, or whether it's addictions, we won't let go of them. And then we say, well, where's this God thing? Where's his power? Let's just do church one hour and a half a week, and we're good. So even today, this is how we treat the Holy Spirit, with contempt. Three possibilities here. Number one, there are some people who come to worship and operate totally on their human level. Never even giving a thought that possibly when we gather together, the Holy Spirit wants to lead the whole thing. So we hear songs of worship and we get goose pimply. We say, oh, I like that song. Can we sing it again? Can I sing at the top of my lungs or can I whisper it? There's some of you who hum it with your mouth shut. But there are those who show up to church on Sunday never once even thinking about the Holy Spirit. And realizing that the whole purpose of gathering together is who? The Holy Spirit. Amen? Another way. Some give a thought about the Holy Spirit. This, you know, oh yeah. He's the third part of the, of the Trinity, the third person of the Trinity. But we don't actually come to terms with the amazing fact that he knows every thought that Gina Humphreys has. And he knows her heart. Inside and out. Oh, let us talk about the third person of the Trinity. Let us discuss about the Holy Spirit. Annual conference, it's always, let us pray for the Spirit's unity. I want to say, let us pray that we begin to allow the Holy Spirit to expose what's in our hearts and our minds. But see, we don't want to go down that route. Because we like our power and control. No, God, don't look at us. You look at Him. Because George is better looking than me anyway. You look at Him. You get off my back. Anybody ever told God to get off your back before? Oh, be honest. In fact, I bet you you've told God to get off your back more than you have Satan. I know I did for a long time. Leave me alone, God. Leave me alone. And the third one, how we, how we show contempt for the Holy Spirit. We convince ourselves that what's in our heart and in our minds, okay, is not serious enough for, God, for the Holy Spirit to, to get grieved. To be grieved. See, what we do, everybody say the word grace. You know what we've done? We've Americanized grace. We basically define it this way tolerance. So, what we've done is we've tried to turn God into this tolerant God, just like society wants us to be about sin. And here's the problem. There is going to come a point in time where the Holy Spirit's like, okay, you are totally misunderstanding this grace thing. I will not be mocked, and you're going to experience the fruit of mocking me. Now, he will give you opportunity, I believe, but you know what? Be careful. I'm telling you now, be careful. Guard your hearts. Or the enemy will have you down that pathway so fast, you won't even know what hits you. Hebrews 10.29 says very clearly, it is possible to insult the Holy Spirit. So our walk and our ministry is only possible with our filling in submission to the Holy Spirit of God. Amen? Now let's move quickly through. I wanted to really take some extra time with Ananias and Sapphira. But let's look at just some other spots here. In, 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 in chapter 5. What we find out in verse 12, okay? Um, and I, I love again verse 11. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about those events. What kind of fear was it? Fear of who? God Almighty. Verse 12. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among who? The people. All the believers used to meet together in Solomon's, Solomon's colonnade. No one, I love this point, 
Verse 13, no one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Verse 14, nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. What in the heck's going on in 13 and 14? No one dared join them? What is being said there? No one was going to mess around unless they were going to take it serious. I'm not getting involved with this because I see what happens. I, saw, I knew Ananias. I used to go to high school with him. You know, he was a stand-up guy. What happened? So we look at verse 12 here and we find out um, one very crucial thing. How many people have been called to ministry? How many people have been called to faith in Jesus? Okay. Let me ask you this. Is it to be lived out privately? How many people have heard the statement, My, I have a private faith? Now look, how uh, we're each different personalities and different giftings, but I'm going to tell you what. Read the Bible. Nowhere do I find anything about a private faith. Nor do I find anything about private ministry. Quite honestly, when God calls you, He expects you to do what? Go where? Public. Ministry is a public thing. It's to be done publicly. And how many ways do we live a private faith when it should be Because after all, aren't we called to be billboards of Jesus? How am I a billboard for Jesus if I hide in my house? What if I stuck my billboard out in the middle of a field where nobody sees it? Is it going to do any good? Not at all. We are called to public ministry. When faith is public, it's not just about who. It's about everybody. What are people experiencing through all this? Well, I love it. Let's look here. They're healing them. They're loving on them. Uh, People are getting saved. Uh, People are getting freed. I love it in verse 16. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits. And all of them are what? Healed. They're being set free. Love. Salvation. Freedom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So when you go public, you bring these things to people. Love, salvation, healing, freedom, in the name of Jesus. But also, whenever you go in public, go public with your faith, inevitably we find out why we want it to be private. Because when you go public with your faith and you go public with your ministry, guess what's going to come against you? Opposition. Persecution. The enemy's not going to like it, is he? And so most of us like to do what? Don't want to be bothered. If I can just, let me ask you one quick question. How many here live their Christian walk just trying to keep Satan off your back? Come on now. How many live your Christian walk just trying to keep Satan off your back? Rather than walking with Jesus and enemy can't even catch up. How many do it? Oh, Satan, get off my back. Leave me alone. Hey, Satan doesn't care. That's one of his tactics. He can get you to focus on him. That's all he cares. He don't care if you hate him or not. He just wants you focused on him and not on Jesus. That's what happened with the Pharisees, okay? And they rose up against the apostles. We see in verse 17, And the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles. They put them in public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said. Tell the people all about this new life. Why did the Pharisees, you had two groups that made up, made, made up the Sanhedrin, the religious people. There were the Sadducees and the, and the Pharisees. The Sadducees would be considered the liberal bunch. They didn't believe in heaven or hell. They didn't believe in spirit. They just, God used you here and then you just didn't even have eternity. Then there were the Pharisees who were the conservatives. You can never escape Democrats and Republicans, can you? They've been back then, they now, it's just, it's crazy. But they made up, but both of them took up issue with the apostles and with the church. Why is that? Well, let me explain something very quickly. The uh, Sadducees weren't really concerned so much about what, uh, 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 what the people thought of them. What they were concerned with was what... Uh, what empire was ruling Jerusalem at that point? 
Roman Empire was. And see, here's the thing. Rome was never really interested in changing a, uh, changing a culture. Cain and conquered Dwayne's house. As long as Dwayne did everything Rome said, Dwayne was allowed to live the way he lived. But he always had to answer to who? Rome. Always had to answer to Rome. And you remember last week what we said about Rome? I mean, we think our society today is crazy in America. Rome was to the extreme back then. Remember that? Talking about that last week? So, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, they were called together, the religious people, they worked really close with Rome to make sure that they could keep their society the way it was. So therefore, what they had to do was be buddy-buddy with Rome. And along comes this Jesus who threatened to mess up this buddy-buddy system. See, that was the issue. They'd worked hard to make sure that we maintained our culture. Not to mention that Rome was a pagan society that was basically mocking the name of God. But we'll be buddy-buddy with them and make sure and, and get into the positions we need to be in to hold it together. At first that sounds very noble, but I'm going to tell you what. What happened was basically they still made it all about themselves. They liked the power. They liked the prestige. They liked all that came with it. Okay? And so here comes this Jesus that totally threatens to mess this control they had up. They kept people in line so that Rome would let them be. So they weren't so concerned about how bad they looked to the people. They were concerned about how bad they would look to who? Rome. How many here are, are, are scared of what society, government thinks of you? How many are? I don't want to stand out. I don't want to get in trouble. No. So if Rome is pretty clear that I need to be very careful of the things that I say... I better listen. So we're just going to keep a quiet control over everybody. And basically what you ended up with, you ready for this? A powerless bunch of people known as Israel. Living in submission to a pagan society known as Rome. And guess who was the ones holding all that in place? The religious people. That's why when Jesus came down the street healing people and preaching salvation, the religious people were in their temples going, Hey, can you all keep it down out there? We're trying to have church. They completely missed the Messiah because they were too busy trying to keep things the way they thought they should be. Who gets that right now? I don't understand this. So basically, Jesus and anybody else who, who um, was unwilling to confess that Caesar is Lord was going to be turned over to Caesar by the faithless, those who feared men rather than who? God Almighty. See, here's the thing. We call this persecution when we have uh, the government fighting against where we, what we believe. We haven't really seen much of it yet. But that's called persecution. Persecution now, understand, doesn't divide the church. On the contrary, it exposes the line between those who really trust Jesus and those who don't. That's what persecution does. And so when it exposes those who really trust Jesus and, and, and shows them, they trust Him more. And what happens? More power. Whose power? People power or Holy Spirit power? Holy Spirit power. And we begin to see God move. That's what's happening in China. That's what's happening in the Middle East. You say, why is it? that so many powerful things are happening over there because they're being persecuted for their faith. Not because they have less to be distracted by. It's because they are persecuted for their faith. It has divided. You have a far purer church being displayed in those other countries. And guess what's happening in the midst of them? Power. Power. Now, I'm not asking God, send persecution, God. It'll come. I'm going to give Dad a mic one day. He can just fill in blanks. I, he doesn't. It'll come. It will come. 
So persecution doesn't divide the church, but exposes the line between the wheat and the chaff. So when persecution comes, it doesn't normally come from the state, the government. What we have to understand is it starts in our midst. There are those who fear man. There are those who fear God. If person A fears man, he's going to try to convince person B who fears God to listen to who? The government. Listen to man. And if person B gives in, but if person B stands firm, guess who's going to hate person A? Person B. Person A. And before you know it, you end up with two distinct congregations. And then they split. But the problem is we got one that's trusting God and one that's trusting man. One that's fearing God and one that's fearing man. This sounds rough. And, and the crazy part, uh, Jason Hendricks is actually going to be preaching next week. Looking forward to that. But next week it's a lot on persecution as well. And we need to be continuing to look at this. But this is what grows the church. It grows the church completely. Now what I love is this, okay? Here comes this persecution, but everybody turn real quick. We're almost done. 19 and 20. During the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people about this new life. Here's the cool part. There was no attempt to conceal their escape. He didn't say, all right, get out quick and get across the county line before they catch you. No, you know what he said? I want you to get out of jail and go back to the scene of the crime and do what you were doing to get yourself arrested. Now, who are you going to listen to, man or God? God just opened the doors, so much so that when they went to investigate, the guards were still standing there at the doors. And they said, get the prisoners out. And they opened the door and the prison cell is empty. And what happened? I don't know. We were standing here the whole time. So when God gets people out, he's going to get you out. But he's not getting you out to hide you. He's not getting out and getting you out to just say, okay, now go to the quiet life. No, he's saying, I'm getting you out so I can use you again. I'm getting you out so I can display myself through you. So he says, go back to the scene of the crime. So they were not delivered out of prison in order to go and secure themselves from danger. They were to continue the same teaching to the people. And here's one thing, too. They were not called to go back into the temple and say, this government is garbage. Where are our rights? Where are our rights as believers? I'm calling my congressman. No. You know what their message was when they got out of jail, went back to the scene of crime and opened up their mouth? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I really get a little stirred inside myself when I see people so focused on government and man that they are completely distracted from God saying, fix your eyes on me. And it was so bad that they brought them back. They arrested them again, brought them back. In verse 27, the apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. Everybody check out verse 28. This is amazing. We give you strict orders. We gave you strict orders not to teach what? In this name. Guess what they refused to say? They never would say Jesus. See, Jesus is always the stumbling block. It could have been any other name, but they're not supposed to preach in that name, Jesus. How many know that that's still the same today? We're not supposed to open our mouth about Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus. That word alone does not have power, but who it's connected to sure does. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. So we find out that after all that was said and done, verse 40, they called the apostles in and they had them flogged because they had been counted. I'm sorry. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Bottom line is this, he took a beating for us. 
there are times we're going to have to take a beating for him. I, I don't want you to miss that. How many know Jesus took a beating for us? There are times, Gene, you're going to have to take a beating for Jesus. And it's going to be to whose glory and whose good. We all want the love of Jesus, but we have to understand that others may not love us. And we might get treated like he got treated. I think the purest sense of looking like Jesus means you get treated like he got treated. Hey, if you get to operate the way he did, you also get treated the way he got treated. Amen? sad part is it happens within the church sometimes. So these guys did not stop declaring Jesus. They didn't stop declaring love, salvation, healing, and freedom. They lived and they ministered while being empowered by the Holy Spirit, whatever faced them. Whatever. So what do we take away today? God wants people to take Him seriously. God wants you to know your need and dependency upon Him. And no matter what comes flying at you, He wants you to operate in His leading and His power. And we will see God do amazing things in the church. Amen? Who wants to be a part of that? Lord, we give you thanks, honor, and glory. Yes, we like our lives and we like it the way they are, but Lord, I'm just asking right now in Jesus' name, continue to transform our hearts and our lives and our minds to desire more and more of you. Eyes fixed upon you, knowing that God, you are good and greatly to be praised. So Lord, uh, right now in Jesus' name, we choose to fear you. Anybody agree with me on that? We choose to fear you, not man. We fear you. We want to display you. We want to live the way you would have us live. Displaying love, salvation, deliverance, freedom. Thank you, Father. Now, Lord, I want to thank you for doing a great thing in the church. I thank you for continuing your work. And we're going to give you glory and give you honor for who you are. You have called us. We are your body. We choose to be used by you that the world may see that Jesus is Lord. And all God's people say.